0: Welcome to Sibylline Podcasts, part of our Insight Series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more Insight Series updates and as always, like, subscribe and share. Welcome to another Sibylline Podcast. I am Eloise Scott, Lead Analyst for the Middle East and Africa. And with me, I've got Rhiannon Phillips, our Associate Analyst for the Middle East and North Africa. Today, we'll be talking about Lebanon. Obviously, the country has been experiencing quite chronic levels of instability for well over a year now, and in pretty much every way. We've seen financially foreign currency reserves deplete with a liquidity crisis and hyperinflation. We've also got fuel shortages, which are driving unrest. And then finally, sectarian tensions over politically sensitive matters that now seem to be threatening potentially quite a serious security deterioration. Last week, there was quite a significant spillover of these tensions into violence, though at the moment it remains to be seen whether this will be a sort of one off incident or whether it is actually an indication of a more worrying trend. Rhianne, and I know this is something you've been following closely. I'm just wondering if you can give us an overview of what has happened recently and what the current situation is.
1: Yeah, thanks, Eloise. So as you said, things in Lebanon are, are particularly tense at the moment in light of last week's events. Thursday shooting kind of represented one of the worst instances of street violence that the country has seen for, for well over a decade. And it resulted in seven shia demonstrators killed in beirut's neighborhoods and this was during kind of mass protests the main shia groups hezbollah and the amal movement had kind of mobilized supporters to pressurize the government into removing the the judge Tarek Bitar, who's in charge of the current beirut port blast investigation and these supporters were actually met by snipers who hezbollah and the amal movement are claiming were sent by a christian rival party the lebanese forces party And so that's kind of the current situation at the moment. And as you said, it's yet to be seen whether this was kind of an isolated incident or whether things are going to escalate.
0: Thanks, Rhiannon. And do you think an escalation is possible? I'm also just wondering what is kind of the importance around this trial for the Beirut Port Blast?
1: Yeah, sure. So... You know, whilst on the surface, this does appear to be an isolated incident, we, we've definitely seen kind of key statements made by the leaders. And Hezbollah's Nasrallah has has made kind of increasingly antagonising statements and used highly inflammatory language, kind of reminding the Christian parties of their bloody past and references to the civil war. He's recently come out and said that Hezbollah have 100,000 vices and this is important. They've never kind of disclosed this information before. So that's kind of a really massive statement. And we are therefore kind of looking for patterns of escalation and, and whether this is going to kind of the trajectory of tensions and violence is going to escalate massively in the coming weeks or months or even days. And what's telling is there haven't been any kind of massive violence spats since the shootings, but Judge Bataar is actually set to resume interrogating the MPs, of whom specifically he's asked for a part of or a Lebanese Shia minister who's part of the Amal movement, so Ghazi Zaita, who he's going to summon on the 29th of October. So, you know, that's really not soon away. So that's going to be kind of a date that's going to be in the in the forefront of everyone's heads to see whether anything will happen. And so if, you know, kind of similar events do happen, then we can kind of see that this is a pattern emerging maybe and that there is kind of more room for this movement to to kind of sectarian violence that I think the Lebanese population and authorities have been kind of dreading. At the moment as well, we've seen that there's been kind of retaliation from the Christian parties as well. So in light of um, Nasrullah's statements we've seen a, a poster go up in northern Tripoli city and it's depicting the head of the Christian Lebanese forces actually next to King Salman of Saudi Arabia with speech next to him saying he who threatens you is not even born and if he has 100,000 fighters he will have to face 100,000 Sunnis so you know it's definitely not just centred in on Beirut this is kind of the worrying trend that we're seeing that it could escalate to other parts and, and kind of key sectarian fault lines across Lebanon and just with your question about, you know, the importance of the of the blast trial, I think that's very important to touch upon. And this port investigation has faced a significant number of legal and political challenges so far. And Bitter's, um predecessor was actually removed for uh, similar allegations of bias, one of them being that his home was apparently damaged during the blast in central Beirut. And, you know, this shows the the level of what the opposition will go to to remove their kind of opposition from this part. And for domestic politics, it's significant because if McCarthy's government kind of succumbs to pressure from Hezbollah, then this could kind of be an impediment towards kind of critical economic and structural reforms. But then in terms of kind of wider pressure as well from from other parties, this could be really significant. And the port plus is kind of a bit of a flashpoint for violence and also kind of political instability as well.
0: Yeah, those are really interesting points, I think, particularly on, on the sort of sectarian fault lines issue. Clearly, this spat happened in Beirut. But actually, we obviously, as you rightly pointed out, we have seen other incidents taking place elsewhere in the country. I think one thing that is quite interesting is that obviously we've you know, given the situation in Lebanon, given that this has been going on for more than a year in terms of Lebanon's sort of internal and financial collapse. There hasn't actually been the same sort of widespread unrest that we saw in sort of late 2019. There have been some sort of tribal instances of sort of more family feuds. That seems to be what has triggered a lot of the clashes. And then obviously, as you said, this clash last week was quite different in that regard, as this was over more politically motivated issues. Obviously, you talked about the 29th of October and the ongoing developments in this port trial as being another potential trigger. Is there anything else that you're looking out for? Because clearly the situation isn't easing. You know, fuel prices are continuing to rise are there any other things that you're looking out for that that could be a concern for businesses and staff?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think it's super significant what you've just said, you know, that we've seen Lebanon at its knees economically and financially over the past, you know, 13 months to, to two years. But what has triggered kind of a violence that has been politically sensitive issues. However, just in terms of unrest, I think it's definitely significant to say that There have been, you know, as of this morning, last night, it's so timely, there have been spouts of civil unrest related to kind of Lebanon's critical economic crisis. And the Ministry of Energy has just announced a further increase of fuel prices by 15 to 25%. And we've seen kind of key cities, Tripoli, Sidon, Baalbek, see processes kind of gather. And, And whilst there hasn't been this kind of return to armed violence that we've seen, It's definitely significant in terms of of disruption to to kind of supply chains and and travel disruption. And so this is definitely something that we need to keep an eye on. And then in terms of looking well forward as well, the the recent kind of political violence is is significant in terms of the legislative elections that are coming up in March. Um, And this is definitely a potential trigger for flashpoints as well. And we've seen... We're talking back to sectarian kind of conflicts that have been emerging in Lebanon's politics. We just saw the other day that the head of the Christian Qatar um, party, the chief Gamal, calling for the Lebanese party to actually boycott and undermine Hezbollah's influence in light of the elections. So this is definitely something alongside kind of the economic unrest and civil unrest that we're seeing that these kind of major statements being made by sectarian leaders are definitely going to be for future flashpoints in the the upcoming months, for sure.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant. And then um, just as a final question, I guess, just to round this off, do you think, obviously you talked about there being quite sort of inflammatory statements coming from various sort of sectarian blocs in Lebanon. Do you think these parties will seek to de-escalate the situation? You know, if there are some clashes, do you think, you know, parties like Hezbollah, they're, they're likely to... You know almost antagonize the situation. One of the things that I think we're certainly concerned about is obviously the potential militarisation of society in Lebanon. What groups that are resorting to arms much more readily, you know, there there is a real uh, almost surplus of, of, of military weaponry, particularly arms, in Lebanon at the moment. So are there certain things that you think you know are real flashpoints? You know, could roadblocks potentially escalate dramatically? you know, key routes around the airport, potentially, are they, are they susceptible to this kind of violence?
1: I think it's definitely something you have to keep at the forefront. You know, you talk about airports the other day, Thursday's event, one of the main things that was a disruption was that the primary routes, the airports, the Beirut airport were actually shut off. And so this is massively worrying in terms of personnel on the ground if you needed to evacuate personnel if things really did escalate then this definitely makes kind of local contractors more important and people are relying on kind of secondary routes to get to the airport so that's definitely something to keep in mind. I think it's difficult for people not to look back at a decade ago where when you talk about kind of Hezbollah wanting to to de-escalate the situation I don't think it's maybe in their interest to, to escalate massively at the moment but in the back of people's minds, Hezbollah have been kind of known to, to use arms and to to kind of take parts of the main city hostage to get their point across to the government. And I just want to point back to 2008 when they took over parts of Western Beirut in, in retaliation to the government, actually blocking their media over telecoms. And in response, Hezbollah actually then blocked off a pro-government media source. So I think it's definitely... They're going to try and keep this kind of maintenance of balance between not massively escalating the situation, but also keeping their hold on the government and this pressure. They're, they're putting massive, massive pressure on the government at the moment and on Mikartikazi's stance. And, you know, we have to kind of see the Lebanese government try and try and balance this as well in terms of what would happen if they succumb to, to Hezbollah and their wishes to get rid of the judge as well. And, and what that can mean for, for kind of future flashpoints and, and future trajectory of tensions as well.
0: That's some super insight, Rhianne, and Thank you very much for your time on that issue. Clearly, there are some flashpoints ahead that we need to look out for, the 29th of October being a key one. I guess we'll just hope that karma heads prevail. But in the meantime, let's hand over to Jack Broom, our Asia-Pacific Associate Analyst, who will tell us what to look forward to globally in the next couple of weeks.
1: And going forward on the 24th of October, Uzbekistan will hold its parliamentary and presidential elections. On the 25th of October, the anniversary of the tai- by incident in Thailand's deep south that led to the death of 85 protesters will take place. On the 28th of October, Kyrgyzstan will also have its parliamentary elections. And then finally, on the 31st of October, Japan's
0: elections will take place. Thank you very much for that, Jack. Please do follow us on LinkedIn and contact us on info at for more details, or please do reach out if you have any further questions for us. Also, we have our health hazards and environment webinar coming up on the 9th of November. Further details will be on LinkedIn. So please do sign up. Thank you very much for listening.